Hello and welcome to the Apply Medic Podcast. Uh, if you're new here, my name's Chris. I'm a fifth-year medical student at Edinburgh Uni, the host of the Apply Medic Podcast and the founder of Apply Medic. Um, I've got a fantastic guest with me today, um, but first I just wanted to give a little brief announcement about Apply Medic. Uh, we've just released a new ebook, um, all covering everything that you need to know about medical school interviews in the UK. So if you're interested, then I'll leave a link in the show notes below, or you can visit applymedic.com for more details there. So my guest today is a medical student and Instagrammer. Her name is Andra. Her username on Instagram is the iMedic. That's the, and then the letter I, then medic. And she documents her life in medical school up in Aberdeen and so we're just going to have a chapter today about her experiences applying to medical school, life uh, in medical school at the moment and her intentions for the future and her Instagram account and why she created it. So hi Andrew, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Um, so just introduce myself. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Andra, I'm a third year medical student at the University of Aberdeen and I previously graduated with a degree in natural sciences from UCL in London, and I'm originally from Romania. Very nice. So I think we'll we'll dive a little bit deeper, uh, starting from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So you applied to medical school as a, a postgraduate medic. You did a degree beforehand. Is mm-hmm. that right? Okay. So how was how was that experience for you? How did you actually kind of get on that kind of slightly less less common route into medicine by doing a, a different degree first? So I had a bit of a complicated story with medicine. Um, so I did my high school back in Romania mm-hmm. and um, the education system there kind of focuses on more on a, providing a theoretical basis and uh, less uh, focus on a practical aspect. So I was mostly interested in sciences and I've had experience with sciences projects. And also I had no prior experience of, you know, work experience in a hospital or relatives in a hospital. So I thought, given my passion for sciences, I want to do something in medical research or biological research. So initially I chose to study natural sciences at UCL with a focus on biological sciences from an interdisciplinary uh, perspective. Um, And um, fast forward, I think, um, a year into my undergraduate degree, I had uh, my first hands-on experience with research. I have spoken with academics, and I realized by doing research um, that I kind of feel slightly disconnected from the real world, especially if you're doing more sort of basic science research. And I felt like I, I wasn't sort of um, bringing a contribution, a tangible contribution to the community by doing research. That is not to discourage people willing to do research. I think you can mm-hmm. have a massive impact uh, on people's lives, thousands of lives, if you're working in research. But that sort of occurs more down the line as you, as you do more um in this field. Um, so um, I soon realized I didn't want to pursue a full-time career in research. Uh, and I started looking into options that I have um, with a background in biomedical sciences. Um, so um, I've come across the idea of doing medicine as a postgraduate or postgraduate entry medicine. Um, and I kind of um, liked the idea. Um, so I um, did my own research. Um, I followed people on Instagram. There are 
through this journey, and that helped me a lot. Uh, I attended um, private events from companies such as the Medic Portal, mm-hmm. and I sort of liked uh, the idea of, uh, of doing medicine as a postgraduate. Now, I think a question that most of us are considering doing medicine as a second degree is um, are asking ourselves is is graduate entry medicine worth it because it comes along with several challenges of course there's the financial challenges because it can be quite costly um, there are of course you start your career later on than most people and the preparation process quite uh, quite difficult um, so but another thing that I sort of anything any one of us should should think of is that um, we spend a great proportion of our lives working and what we choose to do is really important because we need to do something we enjoy and that gives us a sense of purpose. Um, so I decided, well, if that is something I really want to do, that I should pursue it. And I started, uh, of course, like anyone uh, would do, uh, getting more work experience in medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... Um, most, uh, as you, you, you look into this, uh, the, it, the type of experiences that you do are, first of all, volunteering and then some shadowing. I think in the in the case of graduate entry medicine, if you're looking to do medicine as a graduate, uh, particularly in the schools in England and also Scott Jam, I think you're expected more to do something more practical where you're in, actively involved in patients' care. Uh, some universities, for example, at that time, University of Warwick, do impose a certain level of work experience. So that is something that sort of kind of con- concerned me since I didn't, didn't have any experience with that. Um, but I think in some cities, and in London where I was, hospitals do offer opportunities for students to do um, a work experience in hospitals as a volunteer, and it's quite hands-on. Uh, there's also the option of doing working as a healthcare support worker, um, and then gives you even more opportunities to, to do have more an active role in patients' care, uh, and also shadowing experience. Uh, and I, when I was applying, I was really terrified because I've read stories on the student portal or from, from other students that is extremely difficult if you don't have connections. And of course, coming from a different country, I had absolutely no connections in medicine and I didn't know anyone here. Um, and the only thing I could do is to email people. Of course, I think a tip for students who are studying at a university is to look for experience at their own uh the, the hospital attached to their university, if there's mm-hmm. one. Um, because, of course, you have your own email with at university dot whatever it is. Uh, and that sort of, I think, it makes consultants working at the university more likely to respond. That was my case, for example. And I uh, I did three work experiences uh, at UCLH and Royal Free, which belongs to the UCH Trust, mm-hmm. uh, in gastroenterology, uh, in ophthalmology, anesthesia. And... I did this just by emailing uh, uh, consultants that I found on okay. the websites. Um, and I, I consider myself extremely lucky because those consultants gave up their time to, to help someone random like me emailing them. Um, but it allowed me to learn a lot of things. And of course, not just about, of course, what's required for a medical school interview, communication, patient interaction, but also more technical things and uh, sciencey things, if you could say that, that I sort of use now in my experience as a medic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's definitely very useful. 
but of course, in terms of what you have to apply for medicine, you'd have to to use the more sort of um, transferable skills or uh, qualities that you see in a doctor and through your experiences. And now the other part of the application that I think most of the listeners are aware of uh, is the UK CAT or the admission test. Now for graduate entry medicine, uh, it's usually the UCAT. Uh, now it was called mm-hmm. UK CAT back then. Um, and other tests is the GAMSAT, of course, the BMAT. Personally, because I really wanted to go into medicine straight after my three-year undergraduate degree, I thought it's best to focus on only one exam because I also wanted to get an ample experience and I didn't want to uh, overwork myself. Um, and, and also the, the universities I was most interested in required the UK CAT. So that was my only decision, but I'm sure there are great universities that to do with GAMSAT or BMAT. Uh, in terms of uh, the UK CAT or UCAT, uh, I think it's important to know that if you're willing to go into graduate entry medicine and all medicine as an undergraduate, the entry requirement, the score you need to, to get an interview is usually higher. Um, but in my years, it was sort of usually above 700. Um, and of course, um, you would have to prepare for it. But I think one thing that I've learned is don't over-prepare. I think my mistake is that because I, I just put a lot of pressure on myself, I put I started very early and by the time I had my test booked, I was feeling very overworked and tired, mm-hmm. kind of burn out. Mm-hmm. So it's good not to overwork yourself for, for Definitely. that. Okay. So that was that was a really comprehensive overview. Thank you for that. Um, I just wanted to ask a couple of kind of more niche questions, just mm-hmm. about a bit more, just for a bit more detail on some of the things that you mentioned. So you're at the University of Aberdeen right now, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you you mentioned that you applied to places like Warwick, for example, um, who only do a, a postgraduate yeah. only program so everyone there has to have a degree of some kind is that right yeah yeah okay so you but the the Aberdeen medicine program that you're on right now that is an undergraduate program where both undergraduate school leavers and postgraduates can apply so how did you go about selecting the medical schools that you wanted to apply for and, and why did you choose to select a, a mix of postgraduate only and undergrad programs? Okay, so um, initially where I wanted, the aim that I had was to pursue postgraduate entry medicine somewhere near London um, or in London um, mm-hmm. because through my years I've built a lot of, sort of connections and, you know, build my social life around there and I was hoping to, to, to be there. Um, also, another aspect that I consider is the financial aspect. Of course, I wouldn't have afforded to do an undergraduate degree in England um, compared to Scotland because I was EU, so we are considered the same sort of fee status as Scottish students. Um, so I was only be able to afford an undergraduate degree in Scotland. Okay. Um, and second, thirdly, um, I knew that uh, post-credit uh, entry medicine, as in for post-credit only students, 
is extremely competitive. Just to give you an idea, uh, at that time, to get into postgraduate entry medicine at the King's College London, you'd have to compete over 30 places. Um, and for uh, Bart's medical school, it would have been around 60 places uh, in the whole UK. So I knew the stakes are quite very high. And it's, it's a lot of people don't get in in the first try. Um, so I thought it's safe, and I think it's recommended even for any anyone else, um, just to analyze your stats uh, and sort of choose more competitive unis and others and more less competitive, you're more likely to get in. And I thought it's be it would be very safe to choose an undergraduate um, university uh, because from what I've read from other people, it would be easier than getting in into the postgraduate only university, given there are more places reserved. Uh, for for students, mm. um, so uh, I from Scotland I was considering uh, choosing Aberdeen because first of all I like the sort of the traditional uh, course and integrated course um, rather than the sort of uh, PBL I thought that's more sort of suited to my learning style um, and also I like that in Aberdeen in terms of the application process take a holistic view. Um, on on the sort of application, sort of medical school applicants and mm -hmm. taking into account experience and also UK CAT uh, in different percentages. So I thought um, that would advantage me given I had quite a lot of experience uh, and, and that I've gathered. Um, so that's why I, I chose Aberdeen given the structure of the course and the way they looked at the applications in terms of the only uh, undergraduate uni that I've applied. The rest of the three were um, postgraduate only entry medical schools. Mm -hmm. So okay. uh, in terms of, yeah, the, the, I'm not going to sort of try to get around that. Uh, I didn't get into, into postgraduate entry medicine. So Aberdeen was the only one that accepted me. Um, and um, that's why sort of um, I'm, I'm here uh, in Aberdeen at the moment. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I kind of felt disappointed back then because, um, of course, you come in with certain expectations, you tell yourself, I want to get there. And when that, that don't, doesn't happen, you feel sort of upset about it. However, in my first year of um, Aberdeen, I realized I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I think no matter where you are, as long as you do medicine, you, you if you enjoy medicine, uh, you'd like it because the curriculum is almost the same in every single university. It's all yeah. different is the way they approach it. Uh, so my, my goal is to become a good doctor, to have enough practical experiences to practice. And uh, in medical school, I was in, impressed with the amount of opportunities you have to build yourself in outside your lectures, outside your placements. And that span uh, the country, not just your own local area. Um, so it's good for any people that don't get into the university they want. There's plenty of opportunities left. Definitely. I, I, I really do agree with that because with how competitive medicine is in the UK, um, to get into medicine at all, never mind, you know, getting into the particular medical school, medical school that you want to. Um, I mean, you know, I, I would be grateful for with any medical school um, that, that took me in because at the end of the day it's to study medicine and become a doctor and even if you do postgraduate medicine and you're a bit older when you when you come into the course and you're maybe a bit more cognizant of how many years it's going to take before you actually qualify at the end of the day it's it's still only 
a very small percentage of your entire life and it's to qualify in the profession that that you most want to do and you're going to be in that profession for the rest of your life after that so if you have to sacrifice maybe being in a geographical location that might not be the the top preference that you have at the end of the day you're only going to be there for a couple of years um you know five four or five uh years and then you can go and do your training as a doctor anywhere else that you want to and you can just make the most of it because whatever medical school you're at there's always going to be so many opportunities to learn to meet new people to get involved in interesting things and so you can always make the most out of it i think yeah totally agree with that that's good so we've talked about your selection of medical schools. I want to go a little bit deeper into the the interview process uh, that, that you've experienced. And so how, how many medical schools did you have interviews for? So three out of four. Three out of four. Okay. Um, and so would you mind just kind of giving a, a kind of brief overview of, of your experiences in, in those three sure. interviews? Of course. So I had actually my first interview was at University of Aberdeen in uh, sometime in December, I think 14 or 15, I still remember. And I had a very positive experience with the Aberdeen Medical School interview. It was MMI um, and uh, they do provide you with the kind of stations uh, you would uh, experience then. They have resources on their website. Um, and uh, there's it's not something uh, out of the place that you would encounter in interviews, something there you'll probably be finding on a medic portal or other books mm-hmm. that are used for interviews. And they do try to, to sort of highlight your experience. They do not ask you to have a particular experience within the healthcare settings. Um, you can have experience, you know, working in committees or sports clubs and anything like that. And the questions that they ask you uh, focus on getting what you've learned from them. And actually now uh, as I'm medical school, I'm involved in the medical school interview process is one of the people that interview prospective applicants and it was it's it's been an amazing experience being on the other side (laughs) and uh, of of the table table um, um, metaphorically because now they they used to held it online because of the COVID situation Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's been an amazing experience seeing how different applicants approach these questions and I've been very very impressed with 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 applicants Um, and um, um, in terms of the other universities, um, Bart's Medical School take a different approach. They have a um, normal sort of, they call panel interview, but it's not really a panel, it's a one-to-one. At that time, it was a one-to-one interview. Again, nothing too sort of um, different in terms of the question that they ask. The only thing that was different was a group exercise. And I'm not, I think I'm not allowed to say what kind of group exercise it was. Um, but I found it a bit more challenging and it's uh, something that I did not expect um, in that sense. Um, and Warwick interview, again, um, it was um, at Mai with, I think, six stations. Um, I thought um, the stations, and particularly the role play stations, were a bit more challenging and the kind of questions they ask you did show that um, 
they kind of expect a more uh, ample experience within the healthcare setting and in being involved in patient's care. I think that is the reason why they ask you to have a particular, um, uh, to bring also a proof of your work experience um, mm-hmm. given by someone um, in your, that supervised you. And that, and I'm not sure how it's now, but that, how it's used, it was used to yeah. be then. Okay. And so that's quite interesting, actually, with you having that kind of extensive experience actually attending three different interviews and now actually on the other side and actually um, assessing prospective medical students in their interviews. With that kind of experience and, and being on both sides, is there anything that you would have done differently during your interviews? It's uh, a good question. Um, I think, well, um, perhaps the most important things is to control your emotions. I think that's the thing that I've, uh, well, that went wrong in some of the interviews. I think I was feeling quite relaxed in the Aberdeen interview because I knew I had two other different interviews ahead of me. Um, But for the other interviews, I felt more um, stressed about it. I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to mess these things up and they're competitive applicants. And I think, um, it's good. I think it's important to have a good mindset in terms of when you can't go into the interview. Don't think of other applicants and what they say, their experience, especially if you're going to a physical interview and hear people talking. Don't get discouraged by that. Um, and it's mostly competing with yourself and be honest with what you're saying. Uh, and I think that is sort of um, the, the most important tip I can give, uh, really. Um because um, the the way and also accept the fact that um, it, the kind of sometimes doesn't depend the results you get after an interview doesn't reflect who you are necessarily because mm-hmm. you may having a bad day or uh, you probably didn't have a good idea at the time and how to answer a, a, the question. Um, so don't be too hard on yourself if you've performed not as well as you expected after an interview. And so I had having that mindset, you know, whatever is happening, I'm just going to go ahead and do do my thing. Uh, it's it's good to have before entering an interview. Definitely, I think from from my experience, because um, I I went to the I had an, uh, an interview at Aberdeen Med School as well, so I had to one at Edinburgh and, and one at Aberdeen, and I from my experience and from from doing mock interviews with people and kind of getting a sense of, of how they were feeling in their mindset. I feel like one of the most important things that I've realised is when you're going into any interview, leave your ego at the door. Do not take it in with you because you you do not know what's going to happen. And and if you if your ego is still present when you're sitting in, say, your first MMI station, which happened to me, and you, you're so nervous that... that you you just feel like you performed terribly in that first interview station. And if you let your ego get the better of you, then you're going to drag yourself down and you're going to obsess over that performance. And then you're going to carry that on with you to the subsequent stations. And that's that's going to ruin your performance um, for the rest of them. Whereas if you can just be so disciplined with whatever happened in the station or the question before, completely forget about it take it out of your mind because it's a fresh start with every single station or question that you're asked and you can always recover no matter how you how badly you feel that you've done in any particular thing you can always recover from it and so you just need to keep going and yeah. I feel like yeah 
that's that's the main thing that I've learned. Yeah, that, that's totally true because I, it's kind of like main mistake I did with my Warwick interview. I was uh, going to the first station. I felt I didn't do very good in it. I kind of like carried through my other station. I couldn't perform my best because I kept thinking what I said in the previous station. So I think, as you said, uh, doing mock interviews, it's a really important. Um, and um, just to mention... Um, some universities, for example, the UCL Career Service provides free mock interviews. So you send the information okay. that they help you get it through mock interviews. But also, you can ask your friends. There are plenty of books, and you can give them the book and set the questions and ask you. And you sort of practice. It's important because it sort of gives you that mindset. It sort of makes you help you feel more prepared once you're in the real interview. And I think there are any opportunities, different opportunities in different cities by different companies. So I think uh, there's plenty of uh, opportunities there for practicing interviews. Definitely. And actually, yeah, you, you reminded me as well when, because uh, I, I was at Edinburgh Uni to do, uh, do my undergraduate course and the, the career service at Edinburgh Uni also did mock interviews uh, with me. Um, so yeah, that that's good that other universities do that as well. And I think for for graduate entry students, that's definitely something to to consider. Um, and how many mock interviews did you actually do? Because what I've found is that the more mock interviews you do, it, there's really no upper limit. The more you do, the more comfortable you become, just kind of being under that pressure um, and having to think on your feet with particular questions um, and the more comfortable you feel in that kind of situation. Did, did you do main, like a lot of mock interviews or did you only do a few? Um, I think I only did a few. So I, I think I did two interviews with the career service. Um, and also I did sort of informal interviews with my friends uh, in my flat Um and I think the I think of course the ones that career service is more realistic because it's someone that you don't know in front of you, and you know it's someone that's going to provide you feedback right afterwards. Mm -hmm. So in a in a objective way, you know, with friends, they might not be they want to be nice with you. I think most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was sort of the more realistic experience that I had. Uh, perhaps I pr probably should have tried to look for more, um, uh, but if you don't. If you don't find, you shouldn't be stressing yourself, any sort of questions. And also just recording yourself. That's what I sometimes did. Mm -hmm. I um, selected a random question uh, for my bank that I've selected and try to answer and record myself and then sort of provide myself to feedback and sort of think afterwards and watching it, seeing what I've said different to improve my answer. That's another thing you can do. Yeah, that's 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 a really good idea, actually. I think that's something that, that a lot of people shy away from because no one wants to hear their voice or, or okay. see how the how the, their actual posture is or any or the, see their non-verbal communication. But it's so important to actually kind of face that reality because it's the only way that you're going to be able to actually improve yourself and be comfortable with the way that you verbally and non-verbally communicate. So I think that's a really good idea. So okay, so I think that's uh, chatting enough about kind of before medical school and, and the the journey along the application. Uh, into medical school how so you're in you're in third year of medicine right now yeah. so how has med school been for you so far it's been great um i'm really glad uh i've chose medicine so far i'm really happy um and uh, i particularly enjoyed first year of medical school because that was right before covid and i really liked it at aberdeen we have an integrated um 
approach um, to the curriculum. So we do um, have experience with patients or with patient partners from the first year, first term. Um, and uh, they teach us all the communication skills um, right from the first uh, few weeks or year. Um, and um, I, uh, with, with COVID, I think for any sort of medical school in the UK and I, I think in the world, things changed a bit with uh, education going more on the online space and being digitized. Um, and of course, that sort of limited the opportunities for more practical experiences placements, particularly with for students in junior years, because of course, um, the medical school prioritized students in senior years to prepare them to work mm-hmm. in the front line. Um, so, um, I think most of us have been kind of um, disoriented by this change, but I think it's also in bear, to bear in mind, um, having had experience on wards as a healthcare assistant, that also medicine is becoming more digitized in terms of the practice of medicine. So more and more uh, online consultation, for example, in the GP practices, uh, but also um, in the hospitals, um, they're more um, the health the healthcare record system are more improved, and uh, medicine is becoming more digitized. So I think there's has, this pandemic also had a shift um, on medicine or healthcare being more on the tech side. And I'm actually quite quite keen on this, and I'm hoping uh, we can use technology appropriately to to drive improvement and innovation in medicine because it's going to have a great impact. But at the same time, I hope uh, with as medical schools learn how to deal with pandemics and education and medical school education, sort of have more opportunities for doing practical placements in this context. Uh, but I understand it's quite difficult to get adjusted to this changing situation. Definitely. And as a graduate entry medical student, going into first year at Aberdeen University where the majority of students are 18 year old even some even 17 year old school leavers how was that experience for you actually having the majority of your classroom being such a you know a relatively significant um, age difference from you Okay, so that's a good question because that was uh, one of the questions I asked myself before going into Aberdeen Medical School. Um, but it's 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 good to bear in mind that uh, quite a lot of universities undergraduate courses in medicine have quite a good proportion of graduate entry medicine applicants uh, or students. I think in my year there are I think at least. 30 or 40. That's, that's quite a lot. It's actually a cohort from any graduate entry or medicine only school, say in England, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned in the beginning. Um, so there are other uh, uh, medical with the same age as you. Um, um, but also, I think I didn't feel that much of a difference. I have plenty of friends who are school leavers, probably three or four years younger than me. And I didn't feel that much of a difference because they're all very bright students and very capable students. And you'd always find similar topics. And I think the differences of three years doesn't really matter that much uh, in terms of making friends. And that didn't matter uh, at all for me. So I have many uh, school leavers friends. So um I, um, but at the same time, I think having a degree is also an advantage uh, because I I feel like um, 
especially the first term where it's mostly sciences or the basics of medicine, um, it was much easier for me to go through the material that we had to study because I had already studied in my undergraduate degree. Okay. So it definitely helped. And also having the experience of a degree before, uh, having explored different learning techniques uh, does really help you in, in, um, in going through the medical degree. Yeah. And do you feel like, having that previous degree has actually allowed you to enjoy the experience of medical school a lot more? Um, I'm not sure if it, it helped enjoy because I really enjoyed the medicine and doing particularly the practical side and the new mm-hmm. things that I've learned in medical school. Okay. But I, it, felt me, it helped me, it allowed me to feel more comfortable studying and sort of making time for other things that I wanted. So perhaps don't spend as much time trying to understand lectures and uh, learn material since I had sort of a basis beforehand and just sort of for focusing on extracurricular things that I wanted to do and also having more experience on what and how to build my CV. I think that was a, an important uh, thing that I've got from my undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. So how to chase, you know, research opportunities, how to chase, uh, you know, extracurricular Browning points on your CV and building your uh, portfolio for later uh, stages of okay. training. Okay, so that's that's actually quite a nice transition into uh, the other thing that I wanted to to talk about. When you're talking about CVs and portfolios in medical school for the future for other training opportunities and whatever you want to specialize in, what are your plans at the moment? What do you want to do once you qualify for medical school okay so um, I'm still not decided yet and I think there's a really good point because I think with years um, particularly recently I've heard from consultants and registrars and others of doctors um, there's sort of a pressure to decide early on what you want to do uh, once you graduate mm-hmm. um, given the competition rates for particular specialties um, and the requirements you have to have teaching experience and publications and all of these kind of things and there's a lot of things you need to do and there's a lot of stress around doing extracurricular things apart from your work uh, in medical school which is quite a lot Um, and I think that that's sort of a a problem. In my case, um, I kind of knew that I wanted something along the lines of radiology, and uh, radiology is uh, notoriously competitive. Um, and I'm also feeling this kind of uh, the stress and pressure um, on on me in terms of building my portfolio. Um, but I think an important thing to bear in mind is once you go through the medical school going through your more senior years mm-hmm. there are more opportunities for you to do for example being on words particularly in senior years give you more opportunities to get into audit experience um, being more experienced in your medical school um, I think helps you with uh, applying to research scholarships and I think it's good to start on early and sort of plan to see at least see what kind of opportunities are available so once you decide what you want to do you know where to go to and also be open to different things so you may not know what you want to do from your first year but if you try different things you may find something you like in particular and you may want to pursue that so don't just go sort of on one way you know I like this from the first year I'm going to do this you'd be more open to different opportunities definitely and I think just kind of relating that to medical school applicants themselves it's I see relatively commonly where 
you know, you'll get like a, a 17, 18 year old school leaver applying to medical school and, you know, either in interviews or in their personal statement, for instance, they'll say, you know, absolutely, I want to become a, a neurosurgeon um, because of this particular experience or they read this particular book and I know in the future this is what I want to be. And the whole point, well, one of the main reasons for personal statements and, and medical school interviews is you demonstrating that you actually have a realistic understanding of medicine. And if you if you go about before you're even in medical school saying, I absolutely know that this is the this is the specialty that I want to do and I'm going to do it. Well, there's a lot of other factors that come into play. Uh, and you really realise that as you progress through medical school and you'll notice that no matter how much you at the beginning want to become uh you know a neurosurgeon or an ENT surgeon or a radiologist or whatever that is um the the likelihood is it will change more than once probably more than twice or three times during your time at medical school and a lot of other factors come into play including how busy you'll be you know out of hours whether you want a nice nine to five or you want time to do other things on the side um there's there's so much else at play um, in deciding what you actually want to do. And so part of having a realistic understanding of medicine is actually realising that it's it's just all about the journey and it's about getting into medical school, becoming a doctor in whatever type it is, well, you're going to discover that as you progress along that journey through medical school to finally decide on what you actually want to be. I don't agree with that. And also to build upon this, uh, of course, choosing a specialty is one of the things, but also um, you may choose to practice a different country. So I mm. think you should also be open to that. For example, I'm still not decided whether I want to continue the UK or whether I want to go back home. Um, so I think you should keep your options open and sort of uh, use your experience that you get through medical school to help your, your decision. Definitely. So following on from that, I'd, I'd like to get a better understanding of what actually made you create your Instagram account in the first place, um, because you, you're quite active on it, in, including, you know, just kind of following around in different parts of your life in medical school, as well as some educational content um, surrounding medical school. And so what was the inspiration behind the creation of that Instagram account? Um, so as I've mentioned in the beginning, I used to follow a lot of Instagram accounts to help me with my application process, and I felt very inspired by them, and I wanted to do the same thing. So my initial sort of aim of the Instagram was to provide more information on the application process. Um, but as, as I was going through my uh, medical school journey, and particularly in second year of my medical degree, I had much a lot of workload to go through. It's notoriously more the second year at Aberdeen is um, um, quite a lot of uh, um, systems to cover. I found that uh, I didn't have as much time to create additional material on top of what I was doing. And I thought, well, I put a lot of effort into making notes and sort of making revision material. Why not posting them um, publicly? Um, so I, I thought that was, I enjoyed very much doing because I was also learning um, myself and also uh, other, my colleagues also find it quite useful. Um, so that was sort of my, um, 
and my aim from from that on and also i've also when i was in in uh, in pandemic um and i had more time mm-hmm. um i um started reading alongside my studies and finding interesting medical cases and posting them and i felt that that was sort of helping me in for future studies mm-hmm. um later on yes i sort of switched um to more sort of experience and reflection side of kind of posts um because i just had wants to be a bit more varied and i think from now i'm going to combine uh the sort of reflection posts with educational posts in terms of the the content okay very nice um well your your account definitely does seem very insightful um so far i've certainly enjoyed the content that you've been posting and i'm sure other Current medical students as well as medical applicants would would enjoy it as well. So that's everything that I wanted to ask, Andrew. Um, Do you have any closing comments or or anything that you'd like to say before we wrap up? Um, No, I think um, thank you very much for providing this opportunity to speak. And it's actually my first ever podcast. Um, So I hope the listener would enjoy it. And yeah, I hope I didn't do too bad of a job. Absolutely. No, you've been... Absolutely fantastic, Andrew. Um, it's it's really been a pleasure having you on the show, um, and and I really enjoyed talking with you. And, and I'm sure that other med school applicants um, are going to find all the information really insightful. So thank you so much for that. So just for the audience, if you want to follow Andrew on Instagram, then uh, again our username is the I Medic, and I is the letter I, um, and it's all one word. And yeah, you can follow her there and uh, follow her along uh, along a journey into uh, through medical school and the the different educational posts that she creates as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. It was a pleasure having you in the show. Thank you very much.